Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hey everyone, welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. This is episode two. Before we get started, I just want to let you know where you can find me on social media and my website. So my website is stephaniesochadesign.com. That's where I have the podcast page. Um, You can find where the episodes are and I'm going to be start putting some show notes on there. I have a blog there and um, other things uh, about my business and the interior design side of the business there. On Instagram, I am stephanie.socha.design. And on um, Facebook is Stephanie Socha Design is my business page. Um, Twitter, I believe, is just Stephanie Socha. Uh, So, that's where you can find me. Oh, and email stephaniesochadesign at gmail.com. So please reach out and um, post comments to the podcast and blog pages or send me an email. I'd be happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions, um, for sure, send me an email. Okay, so getting into the topic at hand, um, what you need to know before buying a sewing machine This is a topic that I'm pretty passionate about. I I really love sewing machines. I just, I love all types and kinds. And um, I also have had um, ups and downs in my search and purchases for the machines, especially as a beginner sewist. So um, through the years, I've learned and I've developed a system for myself. And I know exactly now what I'm looking for, what features I want, and feel a lot more confident when I am in the market to purchase a new sewing machine or serger. Uh, So uh, I want to be able to give you the same type of confidence and um, know how to do your homework and um, what you need to know before you uh, purchase and and make an investment in a sewing machine. First of all, under no circumstances should you ever ask anyone, what sewing machine should I buy? That is such an open-ended question that will only give you more confusion and not help at all. Why, you ask? Because you will get a million different answers, hundreds of different types of machines referred to you for all different kinds of purposes. So that's why it's just not a fair question to ask. So what I'm come up with is your homework, first and foremost, should be you 
defining your needs slash wish list. So you may not know anything about a sewing machine, but you you're going to have an idea of what you want the machine to do for you. What you want to make on this machine? Do you want to make clothing? Do you want to make bags and purses? Or do you want to quilt? Or do you want to do it all? How much time do you want to spend on this hobby? Or maybe it's not a hobby. I mean, people even have difficulties choosing a machine that plan to use it for a small business. So um, let's start by developing um, and defining the needs. And um, then we'll go through and talk about features and then get into machines. So I've divided up four different types of uses, general uses for different types of sewing machines. There's probably other uses, but these are the four main um, groups that I think we can um, divide into different categories. So the first one is clothing. If you only plan to sew clothing, then you can get a specific type of machine that doesn't have all the bells and whistles for things that you don't even plan to use it for. Um, and for clothing, really what you need is a free arm so that you can do small tube type of construction for arms, sleeves, um, that sort of thing. Um, a one-step buttonhole foot is always a nice feature to have um, when you want to make clothing. Uh, multiple stitches. So you don't necessarily want a machine that is just going to do a straight stitch because in clothing, there um, you, you need a zigzag quite often. And if you plan to sew knit fabrics um, on a sewing machine, there is a knit stitch that uh, you definitely need to have so that the thread does not break when the fabric is stretched. When you, when you sew a straight stitch on a knit fabric and you pull on it, the thread can break. Um, the knit stitch has a slight little zigzag to it so that it stretches with the fabric and it's a very strong um, stitch and will not break. Uh, and then there are some types of feet that come with a sewing machine that you will want with clothing, like a blind hem foot and a zipper foot, um, buttonhole foot, and that sort of thing. So clothing would be the first category. And if you're just going to sew clothing, you don't need to get crazy on your investment um, because uh, you don't need a ton of bells and whistles to produce uh, clothing. The second category is quilting. Now quilting, you can definitely invest in just a straight stitch machine. There are many quilters who only have a straight stitch and they can um, do anything with quilting. They can piece, they can machine quilt, and they can also free motion quilt. Um, the nice thing to have a machine that does have a couple of other stitches are if you are planning to do any type of art quilting that uses decorative stitches. Or um, I actually like this um, 
stitch, decorative stitch called the serpentine stitch. And you can make it really wide. And then it, it kind of um, is like um, a machine quilting and it will do a nice S curve all the way down the quilt. And it's just a nice, interesting stitch. So that's something to think about um, as far as quilting goes. Uh, another thing that you want to consider if quilting is going to be what you're using this machine for a larger harp space this is the space to the right of the needle and um, on most entry-level machines that space is only about four to five inches if you're just only going to be making baby quilts or lap size quilts, that should be perfectly fine. However, if the larger you get and the more fabric that's involved in, let's say, a queen or a king size quilt, you are really going to struggle stuffing a bunch of fabric in that small little space. So um, some of the machines that are uh, made specifically for quilting will have much more room to the right of the needle, like anywhere from 9 to 12 inches. And that's a consideration to make when you're looking for a machine for quilting. Quilt-specific accessories like a walking foot, quarter-inch foot, free-motion foot, and a knee lift. And I will go into a little more detail about those when we get into um, the features. But this is just um, part of the second category of your defining your needs and your wish list. So, um, again, number one was clothing. The second category I came up with, with is quilting. And the third category is um, home deck and bag making. I put those two in the same category because they um, require similar um demands from a machine, which basically means heavy duty. Home deck fabrics are thick and the layers get bulky and a bag making also uses a lot of layers, stabilizers, there's foam um, and zippers and so forth. So if you don't want to struggle too much, you would want to look for a machine that can handle um, thick layers, tension adjustments, pressure tension on a presser foot is a very nice thing to have when you are sewing through multiple layers of denim or canvas or home deck. Um, and even making a bag with quilting cotton, you're still going to have stabilizers um, on the main fabric and on the lining fabrics, and then they um, get quite thick. So um, some people, that's, that's what they do. The only thing that they sew are bags. So if that's the case, then you definitely want to look for a machine that's going to be a little bit more um, heavy duty. The fourth category is machine embroidery. And I would say this is probably going to be the most um, expensive machine category because machine embroidery is a computerized machine. I mean, there's a computer in there and there are graphic files. You need to be able to adjust, make adjustments to the design on the machine, um, 
You need to be able to send the files back and forth from your computer to the machine. All of that technology um, drives the price up. But it really results in a really fun um, type of sewing machine embroidery. And as with all the machines, there are different levels of investment for machine embroidery. There are some nice, you know, entry levels. I think the machine that I have is considered more of an entry level um, embroidery machine. And only because, you know, it, it, it doesn't have the huge LCD or LED screen um, full color. So mine is just, you know, a, a two color small screen and however it can it can embroider any design that I import into the machine so it's quite capable Um, it's so it's just a matter of what features that you want and that you are willing to um, invest in Um, so the other thing within machine embroidery machines is that, you know, they do come with hoops and um, sometimes you have to add additional hoop sizes to it. Um, they just come with the main uh, couple of sizes and uh, they are sometimes um, a little bit more high speed because that's what it needs to, um, you know, do this repetitive uh, satin stitching to make the embroidered designs. Um, and again, the technology with the computer, there's all the features and the programming that goes into, you know, being able to mirror designs, to change the scale of the designs right on your machine, uh, to be able to change the denseness of the threads. If you want your satin stitch to be very full or if you don't want it to be as full. So those are all things to consider when you're thinking about investing in a machine, um, embroidery machine. So now we have our four main categories. Determine which one of these, or some, sometimes it'll be all four. I mean, I, I have all four. Um, types that I like. I I like to do a little bit of all of these. Uh, But this could really help narrow down your choices if you only want to do one or two of these types of sewing. So I'm going to give you an example. Let's say I only want to make bags and, and purses. Then I need a heavy duty, I know I need a heavy duty machine. I don't need all fancy bells and whistles. I don't even need fancy decorative stitches. Really, um, I only really need a straight stitch machine that is capable and heavy duty enough to handle several thick layers of fabric and stabilizers. So that narrows it down to, um, Actually, some vintage machines are very good at this. Some of those old singers, 301, 201, the 15-90, any one of those would be great for bag making. And you can find those um, really at at, at decent prices. Um, 
you just have to look mostly on eBay or at estate sales, kind of, you have to hunt around for those types of machines. But um, I hear people finding really great deals on these types of machines all the time. And they are heavy duty. So um, and they're mechanical, they're easy to maintain. So you would be good on getting one of those types of machines. Uh, if you want to stick with commercially available machines, there are some lower price point machines in the three, $400 range that um, I know Singer makes and, and probably Denomi makes one too, I think. But um, it's called the heavy duty machine. And um, so uh, the, the Singer heavy duty machine is right around that price point. But um, the machine that um, I think is very popular among bag makers, and I have this machine and I love it, is the Juki TL2010. I think it's 2010Q. I'm not sure, but it's a TL2010. Um, and um, there is a newer model of this, the TL or 20, it's a 2200. Um, and that one is only available from dealers. You can get the 2010, I believe Amazon sells it, and you it, it can be sold online. Um, and it's a very good machine. I That machine was a the latest and greatest model um, in 2015, so it's really not that old um, of a model. The one before it is the TL98, and if you can find this, um, at estate sales or on eBay, that is the same machine as the 2010, only it does not have the variable speed control, which means you can um, slow down the speed of the machine or you you can make it, you know, go slow up to all the way fast just by um, uh, press, you know, sliding a lever back and forth. So... That's what I would narrow down my machine options for bag making. Then you can get into other features or price points and that sort of thing. So that's an example if I just wanted to do bag making. Another real quick example is what if I am just, you know, a hobbyist sewer or I'm just getting started. I'm just, I don't know if I'm going to stick with it or not but I need to buy a machine just to even learn and to find out what I like. Then, you know, there, there are really some low investment entry level models that I think you can start with. And um, I don't think that, and even if it doesn't work out or you outgrow this machine in another year, it's not that bad because these machines start at like $140. That's, that's so cheap and reasonable. So if you're at this point, then I would start there. Um, you don't even have to look at um, any higher end models because you, you just don't know um, what level of sewing and how often you're going to do it and even if you're going to like it. So that's what I would recommend if um, you're in this category. It's just very important to define 
your needs. So that's why I'm trying to give you some examples as to if you're this, then you kind of go in this direction. And that way, because sometimes, you know, when you ask a group of people, let's say like a Facebook group, or even ask um, in a sewing group, or even your friends that sew, um, I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna tell you whatever it is that they're sewing on or have experience with. Um, and they're not necessarily going to know your, your exact needs. So just um, start here first before you start asking around. And then once you have a good handle on what it is that is best for you, um, you know, kind of have a general idea of what you're looking for, then I think it's um, wise to utilize your groups and friends uh, to ask about um, specific features that um, they are familiar with if they happen to have the machine that you're looking for. So an example of this is one of my Facebook groups is um, a Bernina group. And um, it's the for the Bernina 820s, the 8 series machines. And recently someone asked the group, um, she wanted to hear of anyone who had switched from the baby lock machine to a Bernina and why. And if they liked it, um, I think she said she was interested in getting um, an 8 Series in Bernina. And she also mentioned which model of baby lock that she had. That was very specific. And she knew from what machine she exist- had to a machine that she want- she had interest in purchasing. So um, I gave her the feedback um, based on my experience. And I always word it that way, too. I always say things like, for me, and this is my experience, so that it will be helpful. Not that it's going to, um, I, I don't want it to sound like you must do this or this, that you have to do it this way. Because that's not true. And that's, I, I don't like putting pressure like that onto people. So, but I felt that it was a very good question and I had that experience. So I shared my experience and um, the it is a big change to go from a baby lock to a Bernina. It's just they're very they're different manufacturers and there is a learning curve. Um, so that's how you can utilize groups and peer groups and friends um, to your advantage when you have specifics to look for and to ask about instead of something so super open-ended that you get even more confused with a myriad of responses because that's what you'll get you'll you will get you know 10 different machines that you must have you must buy this is so great blah 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 so save yourself the frustration and the trouble do your homework get the um, it narrowed down based on your needs and wants and and then you can start searching which brings us to our next uh, section uh, which is features to consider so um, aside from your basic needs of what you want to sew there are some other features to consider and I really wish that I knew about these before I set out looking for a machine. And 
um, you know, nowadays there there's a plethora of resources online. And um, you can go to the manufacturer's websites and see all of the features on their different models of their machines. I always go to the specifications just to look at and see um, exactly what's included and what's not included. Uh, So, but there's some features out there that if you're a beginner, or even if you're not a beginner, but um, some things to keep in mind. You don't need all of these features, but I just, the and there's probably a million more features that um, are available, but I feel like these are the main ones. And the first one is an automatic thread cutter. I love an automatic thread cutter at all levels of sewing and for whatever category that you're sewing. I think that it is very convenient and efficient and it makes your process flow much smoother if you have an automatic thread cutter. And the other thing is this feature is available in some very reasonably priced machines at, you know, mid-level. So I, I think that it's a nice feature to look for and to not think that it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get that feature. Um, So automatic thread cutter, I highly recommend. The second thing is, um, it's called different things, but I refer to it as auto pivot. And this is where you either press a button or tap your pedal slightly to lift the presser foot just slightly into a hover mode. And that allows you to, with both of your hands, work with your fabric and your project without having to go hands-free and then um, your project kind of then feeds into the um, presser foot or the needle wonky. So it's just nice to be able to have whatever hands-free features that you can get, I would definitely gravitate towards those. So, but the auto pivot feature is more on the high-end machines. However, you can get the same feature with a little bit more manual of a tool, and this is included in some machine models. It's called the knee lift. It's a little bar that you put inside of the front of the machine. There's like a place Um, on the front that um, you insert this knee lever bar, knee lift. And when you, um, when you first start using it, it feels a little awkward, but after you get used to it, you, you, it's just second nature and you get used to it being there and it will lift your presser foot as little or to the fullest extent that it can go. And again, with a hands-free you know, you just use your knee or your leg to um, press to the right. And as you press this lever, it lifts your, your presser foot. So that's how you get that nice feature with not a huge investment. Um, so, but it's not included in every model of machine. And that might be just the difference between one model and another model. Um, especially in the brother line, you know, and even baby lock. So just, just check out because sometimes this is 
included in the base package. So that's a nice thing to look for is the knee lift. And it is included if you are looking at the Juki um, series, the, the, the TL series, um, the knee lift is included. The other thing is an auto automatic threader. So this is nice to have, but for me, it's not as important as an automatic thread cutter. So, um, and I just feel like there's very few machines have like an excellent thread, um, automatic threader. I, I think, you know, just on my experience, um, I feel like my baby lock has the best uh, automatic threader because I just press down on a lever and that's all I do. I don't have to wrap a thread around a hook and then carefully, um, you know, catch the hook after it goes through the eye of the needle and then do this coordination of gently letting go of it and then pulling it through the, the eye of the needle. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> have that, that, that type of a needle threader. So, um, but some of the, you know, mid range or even the different makers, I think brother in their, you know, kind of getting into their mid to higher range also has the same type of needle threader that the baby lock does and probably Janome as well. Um, so it's nice to have, but I, I wouldn't really look for that as an, as a, you know, deal breaker feature. Uh, the next thing that you might not realize is the speed of the stitches. So um, I didn't realize how slow like one of my earlier machines were until I got more advanced in what I was sewing and more comfortable. And then when I was working on... Um, you know, a tedious project project that had really long straight seams, like a tablecloth, how slow <laughs> my machine was sewing. I think it only went like 650 stitches uh, per minute. And um, I think that if you have a machine, and this is where you find it in the specifications when you're looking at all the features um, in your research for a machine, um, if it's got at least 800 stitches per minute, you're pretty good. Uh, and it can go all the way up to 1500 stitches per minute. So um, I like it. I mean, if, if it, it even hovers around 1000 stitches per minute, that's awesome. That is ideal. But even 800 is okay. So I just, you know, I, I just think to, to grow into it, um, you'd want to have that much stitches per minute at least um so i think oh also on a side note some of the vintage machines are going to be a little bit slower that's like the only thing i think some of the more robust ones like maybe the 301 does stitch a lot faster but i know my featherweight does not stitch that fast um but it's still a really good quality um stitch quality from the featherweight Another feature is stitch length and width. And uh, this varies. Most of the entry level machines have a stitch length of four or five. Um, and that's okay. That's fine. Uh, the higher you get in the models, the, the longer the stitch will be. And then, um, you know, 
you can get like a nice um, basting stitch. Um, and then the width. The width is really what kind of puts you up a notch in the level of the machine because most standard machines have a five and a half um, inch millimeter width and that is um, how wide the feed dogs go and that is the space that your needle has to go horizontally back and forth with a decorative stitch for example a zigzag or a serpentine stitch so a nine millimeter width will give you a really nice wide um, stitch and decorative stitch, which means a larger pattern on your whatever you're working on. So again, that's kind of getting tit for tat. And it's not, it's not like, I mean, you, you don't have to have a nine millimeter. That's, that's just, if you're already, you know, have been sewing for a while and you're ready to upgrade and get into more features, that would be a feature to take a look at. Um, oh, and then um, I mentioned based stitch. Some machines will have a stitch function that you just press and it will switch the stitch length to a based stitch instead of you having to manually um, change the stitch length to the longest stitch length that your machine has. Um, so that's a nice one, but again, I don't really pay attention to that one that much. Okay, another more high-end feature is a stitch regulator foot. And there are a lot of mixed uh, opinions about this. So again, this is very personal. Uh, I just got... Uh, my first stitch regulator foot with uh, my Bernina that I got about two years ago. And I've tried it out. I haven't used it a lot yet, but I have used it. And, uh, you know, of course, with everything new, there is a bit of a learning curve, but it's pretty nice. I do like it. Um, it's a nice technology. And um, so uh, if you're a quilter, this is something you probably have interest in. Now, some quilters, and I don't know, maybe it's quilters that are like super experienced and have developed their own rhythm of free motion quilting without a stitch regulator. And and they typically say, like, I don't even use mine. I don't use the stitch regulator. And that's fine. I mean, it really is a personal preference. But I think when you're when you're learning uh, free motion quilting or not as experienced with it, like me, um, I think it's a nice, nice thing to have. So but again, it's this is more of a higher end investment feature. LED lighting. I think most machines now have switched to manufacturing um, the machines with LED lights. Um, however, it's just nice. Um, lighting is really key when you're sewing, and um, it, it's just um, it's it's just something just to be aware of. There are so many additional lights. There's actually LED light strips. And I will say on the my Juki, it, it has an LED light, 
but it's not really great on its own. So I did get uh, an LED light strip and it, it has adhesive on it. It's great. I love it. So you can always add lighting. So again, I just, it's just something to be aware of. Um, this next feature is low shank versus high shank feet. Uh, and, um, I really didn't, um, have experience with this until I got my Bernina a couple years ago and, or even actually my Juki, that's a high shank foot machine as well. So three years ago, um, and I love both of those machines. And I, one of the feet, like one of the great features about them is that the visibility, um, that you get with seeing, your presser, I mean, just seeing the visibility of your workspace without straining your neck uh, it is so much better with a high shank um, uh, foot machine. Um, the other machines that I started with and most machines out on the market are low shank. Note that you'll, you, one of the ways you can tell the difference, it's not like, you know, the only way, but uh, if you have little clip on feet, then the shank of the machine will be a low, low height shank, a low shank. And um, the difference is really just a half an inch. So a low shank is a half an inch from the bottom of the presser foot to the screw hole that holds the foot onto the presser bar versus a high shank foot is one inch. And um, I, I really, I like that, um, the high shank much better, but that's my personal preference. And I didn't realize that until I had sewn on both types of machines. Uh, presser foot pressure tension. <laughs> it's gets a little confusing between presser foot and pressure tension, but this is the amount of pressure that your presser foot has on top of your fabric that's feeding through the machine. And <clears throat> this is not just a high end feature. This is this is on many models, and even it's it's I'm pretty sure it's on a lot of the vintage machines as well. There is a knob usually on the top left of the machine, and one direction um, loosens the um, pressure, and the other direction tightens it. When you have really thick, bulky fabrics, you want to loosen that pressure, and then your fabrics feed through your machine so much more easily and you have much more even stitches. So uh, that's just a feat, a good feature to know about um, and a technique to learn. And then the last one I've got on my features to consider list is the dual feed. This is also kind of a higher end feature and it's actually a feature that was on my very first sewing machine. So I, it's all I really knew to start with and um, it's, it's a, and then when I got my next machine that didn't have it, it was like a rude awakening for me. <laughs> so um, a dual feed, this foot is... It's, 
it's on faff machines and it's on bernina machines as a little lever that and it might be on vikings i'm not sure because i don't sew on a viking but a little black lever that you um, lower down and it clips to the back of your presser foot and it's got a little grooved like um, feed dog that um, as your presser foot moves the fabric through from the top it grabs your fabric and feeds it in um, coordination with your feed dogs underneath the fabric and the fabric goes through evenly. Um, It's just it's very nice to have. I use mine all the time. Actually, back up a second to the dual feed. Uh, some sellers will say, and this has been told to me before, that the dual feed feature takes the place of a walking foot, like it is a walking foot. That is not true. It's similar but and it does help feed the fabric through more evenly but it is does not replace a walking foot especially if you are machine quilting i just want to make that very clear because um you know it's it's just um i was shocked to hear this from an actual dealer telling me this information so um, anyway, uh, and this is only important to you if, if you're a quilter, but, um, a walking foot, now that I'm on that topic again, the walking foot though, if you, if you don't want to spend, or if that's not in your investment level to have a dual feed feature, you can use your walking foot in the same way. Um, the walking foot, uh, does help feed fabrics through, um, much more evenly. And um, I mean, sometimes it's good just to have it on almost for everything, unless um, you need other, you know, to switch it out with a zipper foot or an edge stitch foot or whatever. So um, I just want to make that clear that there is a distinct difference between a dual feed feature and a walking foot. Okay, woo. Let's just take a little breather here. I know this is pretty dry material talking about, you know, mechanical, electronic features of, you know, machinery, millimeters, pressure, tension, knobs, and all of that. But it's pretty necessary in order to get a machine that you're going to be happy with. Because just buying a machine that your friend has, or what you think that everyone's just talking about all the time, so you you must have to have that machine too. It's not true. And, and sometimes there there can be regrets. I'm sure, you know, I have regrets. And I'm pretty sure Almost everyone out there may have had at least one regret in purchasing a sewing machine or a serger. So I hope that this is helpful for anyone who's in the market or a beginner um, so that you can save yourself the frustration um, by, you know, um, knowing what it is that that you need and how to go about finding it. 
Okay, so just had to break up that monotony um, because I, I know that it gets super dry. But now we're going to get into a little bit more fun, I think, part of the podcast, which is actually talking about um, some uh, machines out there and where to buy them. So the first one I'm going to start with is just the basic overall machine. Um, It's electronic. It's a low um, investment price at about $140, $150. And you can get it on Amazon. Um, And it's a good machine just to start with. If you don't know if you're going to stick with sewing, if you're just learning, Uh, I think this is a a really good choice. Um, And I have experience sewing on it. It's the Brother CS6000i. I'll put a link in my show notes uh, to this machine. It has 60 built-in stitches, and that's not too many, so that's nice. Uh, Seven buttonhole styles. Usually, you're not going to use more than two different buttonhole styles. That's just my uh, experience. It has a quilting table, which is the extension table, and a walking foot. So that's pretty nice. Has a hard cover. Uh, It's digital push button, adjustable sewing speed, which is also very nice. Needle threader. Now this is the type of needle threader that you've got to um, wrap it around the little hook thing. It's kind of like a three-step process, but once you get used to it, I mean, I can pretty much thread the, the needle fine with it. Um, it's just learning how, how to do the little process. And uh, free arm. So you can sew clothing, you can quilt on it, you can do a little bit of home deck and bag making, but uh, just not, um, you, you'll struggle a little bit with the heavier, thicker layers. But this is a great price. It's a great entry-level machine. I just used this machine. Um, my one sister has this machine because she, you know, she pulls it out every now and then and she's still um, trying to learn and it's perfect. Um, so I, we just made, actually, I repaired a baby seat cover. Um, we actually customized it to fit. It was a ready-made baby seat cover and it was just, um, not the, the holes weren't placed right. So we had to cut and, you know, um, close it back up in a, with a bigger opening so that the, the seatbelt, whatever things could go through, um, her, her baby seat. And then we also made um, a, a diaper changing um, cover, uh, the one that you fold up and take with you in your diaper bag. So uh, there's a there's a lot that you can do with this uh, little machine. Every manufacturer is going to have more of their entry level models, mid range, and then their Mac Daddy high end ones, except for. Uh, I think Bernina is an exception. I mean, they still have what they consider entry, mid, and high, but it's all high. (laughs) Entry level is, you know, still going to be $1,000 or more. Um, So anyway, uh, Brother is a good one. However, 
it gets overwhelming because they have so many different models. That's why I mentioned a specific model. Um, and uh, Baby Lock has a nice um, offering for entry-level machines. Um, in fact, uh, I'm just kind of scrolling over on my computer to the Baby Lock site. I'll put links to this. They've kind of um, redone their site since I've last been on here, and it's it navigates really nicely. Um, so I like the way that they've done this. So I'll go to Machines and... Um, it says find the baby lock machine for you and then they have all these different categories so you can get just a sewing machine let's look at that there, and then they have like a little circle that says how many options <laughs> still a lot of options 19 options <laughs> and uh, click on that okay so yes this is the one I was talking about so entry level not a, a big level of investment would be this Anna and that's mechanical I can see and um, Baby Lock just, um, I feel like all levels of their machine have a very good quality stitch and um, good motors and they, they sew, they stitch really well. So I don't think you can go really wrong with a Baby Lock um, or a Brother or even, um, I, I don't have a ton of sewing experience on a Janome, but I know that those three are manufactured um, by the same maker, although people love to say that, oh, Janome makes Baby Lock, Baby Lock, you know, they're all made at the same place. That's, that's true. However, they're still made to specific specifications by each different vendor. So Baby Lock has features on their machines that are not going to be on a Brother or, or a Janome and vice versa. So just keep that in mind. It's not all the same thing. Uh, so you really do need to pay attention to features. Um, okay. And then um, Juki. Uh, Juki is kind of cool because they just, they have really decent price points across the board. And I just feel like they are just, you know, no nonsense. And they're just a very good machine. They don't have a ton of options, but, um, you know, when it comes down to it, you only need a certain amount of bells and whistles for what you're going to be doing. Um, okay, so those are kind of uh, some options for basic entry level. Let's talk a little bit about vintage machines. I don't have extensive knowledge on these. However, I'm familiar with the big ones, which is Singer, Kenmore, um, and Bernina, of course, has great um, vintage machines out there. And uh, there's one other brand, and I don't know how to pronounce it, Necci, Necci, N-E-C-C-I. That one also... Um, tends to be a popular one, um, reliable, and people love that machine. So uh, take a look out in the vintage market on eBay. And um, again, just do your homework and find out what features are on what machines. And there are, um, there are forums um, uh, and, and Facebook groups 
to particular sewing machines and models. Um, I belong to the feather featherweight one, Singer Featherweight, and um, I've found some really helpful information in that group. All right, getting into mid-range, and I just... I just want I don't want to give too many specific models because I I, do, I want you to you know research the features and and you know do your needs analysis and to make sure that you're looking for what um, is best for you. Uh, I am going to talk about the you know I, I do talk about the makers and and vendors that I am familiar with, which is Brother, Baby Lock, Juki, and Bernina. So. I'm I'm pretty familiar with the range of their machines, and there are others out there. Janome is out there, uh, Viking is out there, and um, I don't know who else. <laughs> but um, so anyway, but the these four, you can certainly within these four find absolutely great machines. Mid range for me, price point wise starts at at least around $700 to about $1,500. If you're going to be willing to invest $1,000 in a good machine, you will, you will get a great machine that will, you know, stay with you for quite some time. Uh, So I I think this is a great uh, investment level. And you really don't need to venture into, I mean, machines can cost up to, you know, $10,000. It gets really ridiculous. However, uh, it's not for me to say because, you know, this is, this is a creative, you know, world for us. And people invest differently in whatever their hobbies are. So I'm just going to throw out there a couple of models of machines that would be in within the mid-range price range with features and price. Um, For Baby Lock, there is a model called the Catherine, and it's an overall sewing machine uh, with decent features and not at the high-end price point. And for Brother, you know, I, I went to their their brother is the one that has this way too many options. Um, I, if you go to their website and you look at their products and the sewing machine, 86 options come up. I mean, how can you choose from all of that if you have absolutely no, you know, you don't know where to start. So that's what this podcast is for. So anyway, um, I do see on the brother um, website that they have the model of the machine that I just recommended for entry level, this uh, CS6000i. So that must, you know, that is a really great machine. I just because I have used it and um, I know the features, it's, it's, it's a amazing machine at that price point. Uh, Another one is the Innovis. Um, series. And I think that their Innovus series is good. It's like, you know, um, they've got all these other Project One Runway and Laura Ashley and just don't get caught up in all that fancy fluff. Um, I think that the Innovus is like the heart of their sort of no-nonsense machines and it's feature-heavy. Um and the one that took the place of the machine that I have, um, I've got the older model, um, the Innovus NX250. 
now they have the Innovus NX575, and they've actually added a feature, <laughs> a feature that I grew, that I wanted in this machine after I realized that I didn't have it, which is the automatic thread cutter. So that is included in this machine, the NX575, and it retails for around $650. So there are some serious features on this machine. And um, there's no embroidery, but that's okay, because not everyone wants to machine embroider. But this one will do general sewing and quilting and, you know, probably do a decent job on home deck and um, bag making as well. All right, and getting into the high end, um, there are some low entry mid-range embroidery machines and I will say that Brother has a really good handle on this part of the market. They've got some really good embroidery machines and um, I think that, uh, what's that model? And again, it's an Innovus model. So check out their Innovus models. That I think that um, those are not going to get crazy in price. And uh, what their high end is called Dreamweaver, and you're going to be probably at least in starting in a $4,000 range for that one. One thing about the high end machine with all the bells and whistles, they are feature rich and they're fun. And, um, you know, so I don't want to discourage those machines either, but I mean, it's, it's they're not they're not all necessary but you know if you if you really want that and you want a camera in your machine or you want a laser seam guide you know do it it's fun you got to have fun with um with your creativity so um yeah the dreamweaver and uh and i think um for as far as high end machine goes i think brother um, you know, has a has a decent price point versus some of the others like Bernina. Um, and, um, you know, like even for me, uh, I have a high end Bernina machine, but it's not the latest and greatest model. Uh, this model is like 10 years old, but um, it and it is from the 800 series. And I love it. Um, you know, I don't mind that it's pre owned because it was well taken care of. And it sews beautifully, and I'm happy to have it. And probably the previous owner to this machine has the 880 now. So great, you know. Um, I was able to get it at, at a, a price range that I could afford, and I'm very happy with it. Back to Baby Lock for a second. Uh, one of their nicer high-end machines that's not... Um, crazy high end. But if you are a um, sewer of apparel or um, quilting, the crescendo, the aria and the crescendo are um, really good models. I, I really, you know, if I got a baby lock again, I would want the crescendo for sure. Um, it's really good for quilting. And it's I think it's kind of don't I'm just giving ballparks price ranges on here because, you know, no one ever talks about pricing. And in the sewing machine industry, it's a big secret. 
and controlled by the manufacturers who then control the dealers and put stipulations on, you know, how things can be sold. I know it's to protect the integrity of the industry, but we're, you know, I just think it's a little bit behind the times because we are in an electronic age. People are purchasing online and, um, I think that they just need to be a little bit more accessible to everyone. Um, And I think price points need to be talked about more. We need to know what's available and at what price points are that they're at. Um, So anyway, that's just, again, I keep saying this over and over again, because I don't want people to be, you know, getting mad. Um, at me or saying I'm saying inaccuracies, but um, <laughs> this is just me. This is just me talking here. So you can have, um, you're entitled to your own opinion. Um, and and uh, that's how, you know, it becomes an interesting conversation. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I uh, just want to give you some ideas on price points and about, yeah, the Aria and Crescendo or start maybe $3,500, $4,000 on up. So, um, and um, yeah, so the, I think the, you know, long we're talking price points, I think the Bernina 8 series is, you know, getting up in, you know, the seven to $8,000 it may even be more. I mean, I don't even know for sure exactly, but, and I know it's different in each geographical location, but um, anyway, I just, I like to get down to the nitty gritty and let's just, you know, call it what it is because we want sewing machines and we want to know what's out there, what's available to us and what we need and what we don't need. So I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. I, I know it's been dry. Um, but uh, not to me. I mean, I actually love talking about features of sewing machines. I kind of get excited about, you know, new features and, you know, features that are on a machine that didn't even you didn't even know existed. For instance, I'll give you an example. On um even the CS600i, even on the low entry level model of a brother machine, Baby Lock, and even Janome, on their um, standard presser foot is a little black button. And when you go over um, thicker seams or when, when the um, thickness of your fabric changes as you're sewing underneath your, you know, as you're putting your fabric through the foot... You can press that button in. There's like a little spring right when your presser foot, (laughs) when it looks like it's going over a mountain and then your presser foot, the front of it is pointing up, up towards the sky. That's when you press that little black button in and then you can continue to sew and you go a little bit slower. It will feed through that uneven fabric thickness. Um, much better. That's what that button is made for to go over humps and, and um, thicker fabrics. So um, I think a lot of people never even knew I didn't know that 
for the first few years I had my machine and was amazed when I found out that that was there on that foot this whole time. All right, the very last part, because this podcast is getting a little long. Sorry about that. Um, the last part is where to buy. So I think for entry level machines, you can certainly buy them online. Amazon is a good source for that one brother model, and they have some other ones on there. Even the Juki TL2010 is available on Amazon. Uh, so um, that's perfectly fine. A dealer definitely is ideal. We should support our dealers and, you know, keep them in business and um, utilize their knowledge and um, try out the machines at, at the sewing and quilt shops, um, especially if you're going to get a mid to high range machine. You really want to um, just, even if you have to go in there and try out that machine over and over again, or different models of machines, um, you know, don't feel shy or anything. That's what the dealer is there for. They're there to answer your questions and to be knowledgeable about the products that they sell. Um, they will try to sell the products that they carry, but they will be now, they should be knowledgeable about all the different models that they carry. So, and, and a dealer, uh, will have, you know, warranties and service, um, and classes, Usually classes are free with purchase of machines, so that's a great deal. Um, and um, I have experience purchasing from a dealer and getting some classes, so that, that works really nicely. Uh, eBay, of course, is another source. You have to be careful, and you really need to take it slow and uh, find, you know, just ask questions uh, make sure there are a ton of photos and know what you're looking for. Don't just, you know, find something that you know nothing about. Really research the model um, that you you want to look for if you're going to go on eBay. I have had good luck on there. So um, I, know, I know that some people have not, but um, do your research, do your homework, and you. there are some good deals to be found on eBay for uh, previously owned machines. Uh, Craigslist, I don't know. I think if you find vintage machines on there, that's a good thing. Um, but I definitely, I would not, I would, I would kind of stick, stick with the dealer um, and, and even eBay because you get uh, buyer protection from them. Uh, Craigslist is a hit or miss, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not that enthusiastic about that. Um, and then the only other way is if you're lucky enough to inherit um, a machine or you get one gifted to you. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So that's where to buy. And I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Uh, there was a lot of information I gave. I know. Um, but there is a system on how to research and I think dividing it up into four different sewing categories, narrowing down your needs list and your wish list and knowing what features are available to you out there is extremely helpful and will certainly um, guide you into the right direction. And then you can start asking 
um, people who have um, specific models of machines, what their experience is. Um, I do find that very helpful. Find out from people who actually use a machine day in and day out how it works for them. All right, that's the, we've come to the end. Yay! Let me know if this was helpful to you. I really want to know um, if, uh, you know, what uh, things were helpful and um, and if you actually end up purchasing a machine based on what you've heard on the podcast today. Thanks so much for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast with Stephanie Socha Design. And remember to rate and review the podcast. It would be really helpful uh, to get it more noticed in the search engine of iTunes or wherever you're listening to it at. And thanks again. Have a great day. Bye.